Thank you for joining us for Church Online today. It's so good to have you guys with us. If you have your copy of God's Word, turn to 1 Kings chapter 11. Today kicks off a, a series called The Game of Thrones. And no, we're not going to be studying a TV show. As a matter of fact, if you come to me and say, hey, did you like the end of it? I love that. I've not watched the show. I thought it would be a great uh, you know, use of language and culture to talk about the kings in the Bible and the good decisions they made, the bad decisions they made, and what we can learn from them. And so the next several weeks, we'll be in this series called The Game of Thrones. I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever in your life thought this, or maybe you've said it out loud, or maybe you've even done this, if you said, man, if I was in charge, things would be different. And matter of fact, if I was in charge, I would be calling all the shots and I would be calling all the right shots. I think all of us have felt that way at some point in time. If you're a teenager, you know uh, right now that you feel that way. And all of us who are not teenagers anymore, you know that you felt that way when you weren't a teenager anymore, when you look back on it, because you thought, man, if I didn't have these parents telling me what to do, I would do everything correctly. See, there's something called an illusion. And I want to talk to you about this illusion today. An illusion is something that you think is real, but it's not real. It's fooling you. It's tricking you. Uh, one of the greatest illusions was Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. She thought he was some great, powerful wizard when he was just a, a little man behind a screen with controls. And she bought into this illusion. Everybody had bought into this illusion. And today, I want to talk to, an illusion, talk to you about an illusion today that many leaders fall into and many people fall into. And not only do you fall into it and have I fallen into it, but guess what? One of the most popular kings in all of the Bible also fell into this illusion, this trap. Today, I want to talk to you about Solomon in 1 Kings 11. Now, a quick backdrop on Solomon so you know this is he was the third king of Israel. He was the son of David. And he was someone who did great things for the kingdom of Israel. Matter of fact, under his rule and his reign, they were the most economically uh, you know, prosperous, the most powerful with a militaristic uh, aspect. He was a great king in all of those regards. But when you look at his personal life, Solomon had some glaring gaps. He had some holes in his life. And he ended up buying into an illusion, and it cost him greatly. And, and each one of these kings, you're going to see what God says about these kings. I want you to look at what God says about Solomon. In 1 Kings chapter 11, we're going to look uh, and start in verse 4. He says, In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Who are they? Solomon disobeyed God and married wives outside of Israel. Now, it's customary for kings to have many wives, but the Lord told Solomon early on when Solomon first took the throne over, I want you to remain faithful to me and do not marry outside of the covenant of Israel. You will stay within the, these bounds. Here's what I need you to do. And Solomon decided he knew what was right in his life. He knew what he wanted. He was a man in authority. He was a man in power. And doggone it, he was going to go and marry who he wanted to, when he wanted to, how he wanted to. And look at what is said about him. It turned his heart to the other gods and he did not remain faithful. It says this, Solomon worshipped Ashtoreth, 
the goddess of the Sidians, and Molech, the detestable, the detestable god of the Ammonites. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. On the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, he even built a pagan shrine for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and another for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Solomon built such shrines, watch this, for all his foreign wives. He did it for them because he disobeyed God when he should not have married them for, uh, to use for burning incense and sacrificing to their gods. The Lord was very angry with Solomon for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, watch this, who had appeared to him twice. You would think that Solomon was considered the wisest man ever by God. He gave Solomon more wisdom than anybody in the history of the universe that we know of. Yet, he made really bad decisions. How could someone so wise make such bad decisions? See, he bought into the illusion. He had an illusion that he believed was real that wasn't real. See, you have to understand something about Solomon. This is important. Every king in the Old Testament had a prophet. See, there were three major players always that were at work in the Old Testament, in the Jewish religious system. There was the king who carried out the nation's affairs. He did all the, all the, 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 the fights, the battles. He you know, conquered. He, he, he reigned. There's the king. There's the prophet. The prophet was someone who God would speak to back in those days and times, and he would speak to the king and say, King, be very careful. This is what the Lord is saying to you. This is what the Lord's upset about. He was like God's mouthpiece to the king. The third was the priest. Like, see, remember, Jesus was all three. He was the priest, the prophet, and the king, right? He was the only one in all three. Well, in Solomon's life, I want you to realize this, he was missing something. Solomon, unlike his father David, and even unlike Saul, the two kings before him, was missing a very key element. Here it was. He was missing a prophet. We have no record of a prophet being in Solomon's life, being invited in Solomon's life to help him. I mean, even David, his father, had Samuel and Nathan, and Saul had Samuel, who would come in critical moments when bad decisions were going to be made or were made. The prophet stepped in and said, hey, buddy, I need to talk to you about something. You're going to make a bad decision. But here's what Solomon bought into. He was very wise. He was very powerful. He was very successful. And anybody that ever tastes power and success or wants power and success, they will fall into the same trap. And the, the illusion is autonomy. Autonomy means I know best for me. I will do what's best for me. I, if I called the shots, if I made the decisions, if I had nobody slowing me down, telling me what to do, speaking into my life, then I would have the perfect life. And that is absolutely a lie. And here's why I know this and here's why you know this. I want you to, to write this down in your notes. Because here's what's true about me. When you survey your life, here's what's true about you. is this. There is one person who has been involved in every bad decision you have ever made in your life. There's one person that's been involved in every bad decision you've ever made in your life. Have you ever looked back on the decisions like, man, how did I not see that coming? 
Why did I do that? Why was I so stupid? You've probably thought that before, right? Do you know the one person who is the mastermind behind every bad decision is not the devil? It's not your ex. It's not your pastor. It's not your church. I Many of you are blaming everybody else for your bad decisions so you can make yourself look good. Here's the one person that has been involved in every bad decision you've ever made. And if you will look in the mirror, you will see them staring right back at you. It's you and it's me. Every bad decision I've ever made, I've convinced myself that it was the right thing to do. I went against the advice of others. And I wanted to be in charge. I wanted to call the shots. I didn't need anybody telling me what to do with my life. How dare they? But here's what happens. You are the person who's been involved in every bad decision in your life. See, Solomon was wise, but here's the thing. He was autonomous. I don't care how wise you are. I don't care how powerful you are. I don't care how successful you are you will fall into the illusion of autonomy and end up in the same trap that even King Solomon fell into today. And that's what I want to talk to you about is that is autonomy. Here's, here's what autonomy says. Autonomy talks. Here's some sayings about autonomy. The first one is this. No one will tell me what to do with my life. No one. You ask for forgiveness, you never ask for permission. And it, it shows because you have a trail. Let me tell you something about people. Yeah, I forgive people and give grace, but history don't lie, baby. History, it's facts. And every time someone got into trouble, they didn't want anybody telling them what to do with their life. Solomon was that way. Hey, I'm the wisest man ever. I'm the most successful king ever. I don't need anybody telling me what to do. That's what autonomy says. The, the second thing that autonomy says is this. If I was in charge, my life would be much better. If only I was in charge. And here's the thing. We, we mess up with that because if we say, ah, if I was in charge, then we end up making a very, very bad mistake. And here it is. You're going to say this. I know what's best for me. Somebody gives you advice and you say, yeah, I know because you want to be in charge, right? You don't want anybody telling you what to do. And then you're going to do this. You'll say, I know what's best for me. You don't know what's best for me. I do. And the truth of the matter is, you don't know what's best for you. Because if you knew what was best for you, you would not be where you're at today. If you look at your current life, and you're not content with your marriage, you're not content with your children, you're not content with your job, you're not content with your, you may need to stop thinking, well, if I could just be, you decided yourself into all these things, right? You, I mean, you, you want to crucify your ex? You want to go around and, and, and demonize them? Well, it's actually not good to do that because you were involved in that decision with them. You were that dumb to get into a relationship with someone like that, right? I mean, think about it. You think, I know what's best for me, and you don't. And here's the reason why. We become really emotionally attached to ideas. Uh, we've become emotionally attached to um, our creative thoughts. We've become emotionally attached to relationships way too early. And what we do is this. It's a proverbial statement. You can't see the forest for what? The trees. 
and you need people in your life. And next week, we're going to look at this. We're going to look at a king that actually had the wrong people in his life. You need the right people in your life that will look at you and say, I know you think this is good for you, but this is the dumbest thing that you've ever done. This is possibly the dumbest idea that you've ever come up with. You are going to make a really bad decision if you do do this. We've got to have people in our life. We've got to welcome that into our life. And we've got to fight against the illusion of autonomy. If, if we don't fight against the illusion of autonomy, then you and I will always be asking the question, why didn't I see that coming? And here's why it's so important today. If you're wondering, well, why is this important for me? Why do I need this? And here's why. If you buy into the illusion of autonomy, you will always be asking the question, right? Why didn't I see it coming? Write that down. If you're always asking that question, if you're always looking back at your last five years or 10 years in your jobs, your relationships, your decisions, your financial decisions with everything, and if you're asking why didn't I see it coming, here's the reason why. Somebody told you it was coming, but you got bitter you got resentful and angry when they tried to give you advice and you cut them off. And then you paid the price on the back end of it. See, here's the thing. It is really smart to try to look and say, here's the history of this thing and here's what the future could be. It's very smart. You say, well, I don't know about that. Why don't you look at a scripture that even ironically that Solomon wrote. He wrote this. He wrote Proverbs. And in Proverbs 22, verse 3, here's what he says. A prudent person foresees danger, right? And does what? Takes precautions. Why didn't I see it coming? Because you didn't foresee the danger ahead. You just went ahead. There was a, there was a sign that said, bridge out. And guess what you did? They're not going to tell me. Nobody will tell me what to do. I'm in charge and I know what's right for me. And you kept right on going and guess what happened? You paid the price for it. He says this. He says, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. Taking precautions is not being fearful. Matter of fact, in this climate we're in right now with COVID, like washing your hands and wearing a mask and being smart with distance is not fear. It's just being prudent. But look what Solomon says. Here's the juxtaposition to a prudent person. He says, the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers. What? The consequences of it. And many of us do that. We go on and we suffer the consequences of it. Because we want autonomy. We believe what is right for us is right for us and no one will convince us otherwise. Matter of fact, I want you to know about what happens to me as a pastor, and it's really heartbreaking. Probably the saddest thing that I deal with is, is giving advice on the front end and watching people continually disregard the advice and suffer on the back end. So that's constantly what I do with people in a church. They'll say, hey, I'm going to make this decision. What do you think? Um, or they have to ask me, what do I think? Because I'll ask people, if you ever tell me, I am going to whatever, whatever decision you're going to do. I will sit there and say, okay, cool. And I'm going to say, do you want my advice or do you just want me to say that's, all, that's awesome? If you say, no, we've already made the decision, that's great. Then go do, you go do you, boo. You know I say that all the time. You go do you, right? But you want to ask my advice, I'm going to give you advice. And I'm going to try to help you with that to not make a bad long-term decision based on temporary emotional feelings that last 
three months, six months, a year, and you end up making a really bad decision. But I watch that over and over. I watch people make autonomous decisions or get advice from people they should not be seeking advice from. I mean, listen, in the area of relationships, do not ask people who have failed marriages about relationships. They can help you understand how they failed, but you need to find somebody with a strong marriage that's lasted and say, what do you think about this? You need to get input into that. You need spiritual leaders. You need what Solomon didn't have in your life so you can foresee the danger and then you can avoid it instead of passing on and suffering the consequences. I heard this illustration recently about uh, Nazi Germany and Hitler. And Albert Scheer wrote a book called Inside the Third Reich. And he was, uh, you know, Hitler's main man. Hitler promoted him to pretty much second in charge over everything. And he writes about what happened behind the scenes. He says Hitler only wanted people that would show their devotion to him by reinforcing his decisions. As a matter of fact, you may not know this about Hitler, but he wanted to make Berlin like Paris. He built this, uh, this little two-scale I mean, you know, uh, type of little model place, and he had it in his quarters there. And here's the thing about Hitler. It all came from his mind, his imagination. He had never seen Paris. But he had this scale there, and he... His, his military strategies, he knew nothing about his enemies. He refused to study him. He only used what he called his inspirations. And he only wanted people around him that would reconfirm his inspirations. And so he had a bunch of yes people around him. And what Hitler wanted was the same thing that Solomon wanted and what I want and ultimately probably what you want is you want autonomy. And what thankfully brought down Nazi Germany was Hitler's autonomy. The illusion that if I can call all the shots, I'll call all the right shots and I will be able to make all the right decisions. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, made some really bad decisions because he was autonomous. And so today I want want you to look at this. I want you to understand what will happen to us, what happened to Solomon and what's going to happen to us if we pursue autonomy. And the first is this, you will end up at the wrong destination. If you pursue autonomy, you're going to end up at a place that you didn't bargain for. You're going to end up saying, how did I get to this place in my life? And I can tell you how you got to that place. You got there right by yourself that you decided yourself into your addiction. See, there's a fine line between freedom and towing the line and ended up as an addict. Nobody's going to tell me how much I can drink and when I can drink. I'm going to do what I want to do. And then you end up an addict. Nobody's going to tell me what to do with my relationships and you end up in bad relationships. Nobody's going to tell me what to do with my sexuality and you end up broken and hurt or even with sexually transmitted diseases or pregnancies without a a, a father or a mother or whatever in their life, you end up with really bad decisions with that because no one will tell you what to do. You will end up at the wrong destination. See, men know about this, and here's how I know. Have you ever been driving, especially before the days of like our our Google Maps, Apple Maps, Garmin, TomTom, whatever you have, we had to use this paper map stuff. My son wanted me to, uh, to, to actually try to drive with one of the days. He said, can you pull it out and use that? Um, we're on a trip. And I said, I actually don't have ones. I have this now. 
But in the days before that, here's what a husband would say to the wife when she'd say, are you sure we're going in the right direction? Yes, honey, I know. How dare you question my ability of direction? I don't know why, but men, I guess a part of masculinity is that we have the ability to know directions. And so we'll say, I know where I'm going, but you don't really know that you've ended up at the wrong destination until it's too late, right? And you've lost so much time. That's what happens with autonomy. You're going to end up at the wrong destination. You're going to say, how did I end up here? And that's what happened to Solomon. He ended up at a place in his life that he never expected to be. When God first appeared to him and God first said, Solomon, this is where you're going to end up. I want you to watch out, be careful, don't do this, do this. And then Solomon's legacy was tainted because of that. And so here's the second point. What happened to Solomon is what happened to us. If you buy into the illusion of autonomy, and if I buy into it, you will sabotage your legacy. Think about Solomon's father, David. Now, David finished his life out well, but he had a blip on the radar. He had a major, major, not just mistake, but he had a major bad decision. Stop calling your past failure screw-ups, right? Just say, I made some really bad decisions, and I'm going to own it. And that's what David did in his life. If you look at Solomon's father, and Solomon was watching his, you know, again, he heard the stories, and he watched his dad. He saw his dad on the back end of this do really well. But David had a sabotaged legacy because we all know about somebody named Bathsheba, right? And he killed her husband. It sabotaged his legacy. See, one of the things you got to realize what people say about you at the end of your life, they're going, to, they're going to narrow your life down to one sentence, two sentences, or maybe if you're lucky, a paragraph. And they're going to thank you about something. When they think about you, that one thing's going to come to mind. What will that one thing be? Now, you can overcome bad decisions you have made. If you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, man, I'm listening to this and I feel really, really just down and out, can I encourage you? Can I encourage you? From this day forward, guess what? From this day forward, you can make better decisions and you can finish just like David did. Remember what we read earlier in 1 Kings 11? The Lord said that David remained faithful. Well, David didn't really. David had some real, a couple of really bad decisions in the middle of his life, right? Midlife crisis. But he recovered well and you can do that too, but you cannot live with autonomy. And that's what his father David did. He made a decision with no one saying, hey, 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 be careful. He didn't listen to the advice of others, and he made a really bad decision that tainted his legacy. And you and I have to pay attention to legacy. Think about this. So in Major League Baseball, Pete Rose. Pete Rose, if you live in that day and time, was an amazing baseball player. But when I mention the word Pete Rose, you, don't, you can't talk about his Hall of Fame stats, that he should be in the Hall of Fame because of stats. The one thing you'll think about is gambling, right? If I say the word Barry Bonds, there's one word, if you're a baseball fan, that comes to mind, and that is what? Barry Bonds, and you equate steroid use. Sammy Sosa, the same thing. Hall of Fame stats, but they made some decisions that hurt their life and hurt their legacy. Here's the third thing that's going to happen to Solomon, happened to him, and will happen to us you will end up with regrets. Can I tell you again my personal goal for you? I say this enough that I want you to remember it. My personal goal for you is to help you avoid a life of regrets and to have a life of legacy. That's what I want for you. 
Like, that's why I'm here today. I don't want you on your deathbed, your, your deathbed, um, breathing your last breath saying, God, just forgive me. I have so many regrets. I want you to go out saying, man, my legacy and what I've, the trail of impact outweighed the trail of bad decisions in my life. I want to help you do that. And the saddest thing that I have to do as a pastor is give advice, say, watch out, be careful, I'm trying to help you. And then someone goes and does the exact opposite because I know they're going to be regretful on the backside of that. And I don't want you to do that. Solomon had regret. Regret is this. If you could go back and change it, you would, right? And we all have those things in our life. I have them and you have them where you want to go back and say, if I could only change that decision. You can't. And you cannot let the enemy of your soul let regret weigh on you. But here's what you can change. You can change every decision from this day forward. So here's what I want to encourage you to do today. I want you to write this down in your notes. Here's what you have to do to avoid Solomon's trap and avoid the trap that I'm going to fall into if I, if I buy into autonomy and you're going to buy into, and it's this. Get a perspective that may go against your autonomous plan. Next week, we're going to look at a king who got a perspective and rejected it. But here's what you and I have to do. We have to get a perspective that may go against your autonomous plan. See, Solomon wrote this as well. It's amazing that he could say all this and he knew all this, but he couldn't live it. In Proverbs 27, 17, one of the most famous verses of Scripture, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And what that meant that day and time was you beat the iron and you struck it and sparks flew and it cut and it beat and it, it molded into something that could be useful. Iron sharpening iron is not pretty sometimes. Iron sharpening iron is not fluffy marshmallow on marshmallow. It can be loud. It can be brutal. It is heated because they had to heat the iron up and they had to sharpen it. But a true friend will give you a perspective that is different from the decision that you're making. That's what a true friend, a true friend doesn't go, yeah, that's a good decision. Matter of fact, I don't want those people in my life. I don't, want pe- I don't want to be surrounded by yes people. If you don't have an opinion and it doesn't matter either way, I don't want you helping me make decisions. We have a directional team at this church. There are five people in this church that have been not only background check, but credit check, right? They've handled their money correctly in life. They've been very smart with that. Um, their wife had to sign off on it or their spouse. If they're a female, had to sign off. Their husband had to sign off on it. Um, other people had to sign off on it. They had to do a character check, character reference. It was very intentional. And here's the, one, here's the, the, the thing that I needed most. Not only are they spiritual, not only do they really love this church and have proven that, but they're very critical thinkers that I can ask, what do you think? And they have an opinion on it. And that's what I need. Our staff, I need their input. If you don't have any input, I love you. I just don't need you at that table. I've got to have people who are going to help me go against my autonomous plan because I'll sit down and make a decision or a plan And I'll bring it, and I'll always make room for that plan to be altered or changed. Why? Because I need other. Listen, being a leader is not being in charge, and it's not being in control. Being a leader is welcoming the advice of others and letting them have input into things that are being done. I believe that's one of the reasons Thrive is at the place it's at today, is because not only have I done that, 
but our leaders do that. We want to be a place that welcomes perspective that goes against our autonomous plan. See, this matters a lot for me today. Um, I have several friends in my life. Um, I have two that are not a part of this church that are pastors themselves. I've known them for 20 years. Very important. And whenever I go, I mean, we talk on a, on a, if not a daily basis, it's every other day. And we talk about what we're going through. We talk about hurts. We talk about rejection in ministry, pains, and decisions we need to make. And I'm going to tell you this. Not only do I help these two guys with decisions in their life, but they help me as well. Now, we recently had you know, Brian Burgess share with us on Church Online. Now, you guys loved him. Go back and watch that. He's one of my friends. Um, but his nickname is this. He, he is you know, one of those two guys. His nickname is Truth in a Bottle. If you want to know the truth, ask him. You may not like it. It's going to hurt you. I almost made a really life-changing decision one time. It would have just changed drastically everything in my life. I remember sharing with him, and I was selling him on it, right? You know when you want to do something, you sell somebody, you even like skirt the facts and be like, hey, you know, oh, no, no, it's not that bad. That person's not that bad. It's all, you know, I mean, whatever it is, that job's not that bad. Oh, this is all. And you try to sell it to people. I was just, I mean, I was selling it seven ways to Sunday, man. I was just selling this thing. And then he stopped, and I'll never forget this. I was on a walk that day. I can remember where I was at. He said, okay. He says, I'm going to tell you something you told me. You need to take your own advice. And he gave me the advice that I gave him a year earlier. He says, so you can do this, but here's a fallout. If you make this decision, here is what's going to happen. And here's what people are going to think. And here's what God's going to And you, I, he says, I'm telling you, this will be the dumbest decision of your life. That hurt because I sold him. I was emotionally attached to this idea, right? I was already emotionally in it. I was selling it. I believed in it. I was even, I mean, you know, you get these imaginations and you're dreaming about the future and how awesome it's going to be and it's just going to be wonderful. And then he says, hey, you know what? I am going to just drop a bomb right in the middle of your plans. And can I tell you something? To this day, I thank him because he gave me a perspective that went against my autonomous plan that would have given me regrets and not legacy. And I'm here today to tell you, some of you are in the middle of making really bad decisions right now. If you've made bad decisions, God will and can forgive you. Just, I mean, just ask, he forgives. If you're in the middle right now, some of you are getting ready to make really bad decisions in your life. I don't know who you are listening today. I don't know who you are watching today. But you know that person's wrong for you, but you're emotionally attached. You know that job's not right for you. You know that move is not right for you. You know that thing that you're getting involved in, I don't know what that is, is not right for you. But against all the wisdom and advice of other people, you know what's best for you. And you're getting ready to make a really bad decision. My prayer is this, that you would allow permission for someone to speak into your life just like David had Samuel and had Nathan. The reason David finished out well and Solomon didn't is Nathan stood up to David and said, you made a terrible decision. It's your fault. It's your responsibility. And it's your job to make it right. He didn't wall in his mire. He didn't, David didn't blame anybody else. He made it right because he had a voice in his life. You need a voice in your life to help you stop making bad decisions. Because here's what I know, and here's what you know, right? There's one person that's been involved in every bad decision you've made. And who is that person? 
it's the person with two thumbs that when you look in the mirror is looking right back at you that's helped you make every bad decision. I want you to leave a trail of impact and a legacy. I don't want you living with regrets. I want you to live fruitful in your life. That's my prayer for you. Now stay tuned for next steps.